0: I am Cyrus Sots As you can follow me on Twitter at DocSurfRoadShow, you can follow this program on Twitter at DocSurfRoadShow. This is a weird day. There's no game. There was no game yesterday. I mean, this favors the Warriors tremendously. If there's any team in, these, in all these playoffs who needs rest and relaxation, it is the Golden State Warriors. So this benefits them. But for a show like this, we're going to have to go all over the map because, again, A lot of what needed to be covered about Game 4 was covered yesterday, and I highly recommend checking that show out if you missed it. I had Hall of Fame NBA head coach George Carl on the program, NBA Hall of Famer Rick Barry on the program, and they broke a lot of stuff down. That was an absolute pleasure on my end, hosting that show. Today I'm going to get a little more into the nitty-gritty about what went wrong in Game 4, preview Game 5, play a ton of sound, and also talk about the rest of the NBA landscape. I'm also taking questions. I'm taking comments. I, whatever you wanna talk about, I will bring it up. Why not? This is your show, not mine. So let's get right into it. This is Locked On Warriors. You are Locked On Warriors, your daily Golden State Warriors podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Warriors your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get podcasts. And today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more odds, props, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, it's where the game starts. And speaking of lines, I guess we'll start with that. Let's see if the Warriors and Nuggets line has been released for tomorrow. They're playing a Chase Center tip off at 7 p.m. Pacific. And the Warriors have the biggest line of the series. They're favored by nine points. That's a big one. But that just shows you what the odds makers think is going to happen in this game. And more importantly, what they think other people think is going to happen in this game. What I mean by that is, in case you aren't familiar with the whole gambling landscape, the odds makers set the lines based on what they think people believe the game is going to go, right? So, they think nine points is the, the number to set for to create a balanced number of the number of people betting for the Warriors and the number of people betting on the Nuggets. Because for the bookies, they're making all their money from what's called the big, right? You bet $11 to win 10. That extra buck goes to the bookie. They just want everyone to break even. That's how they win. So the line is nine. Niners are, fa- I mean, Niners. The Warriors are favored by nine points and the over under 225 and a half. If I had to pick, that's a huge line. I don't like to bet usually when the spread isn't that big, like nine, but I feel confident the Warriors are going to win that game. It is set up for them. They don't have the crooked NBA officials rigging the game against them. Uh, speaking of which, George Carl, who was on the show yesterday, and look, he when it comes to emotions when it comes to the team he believes or not believes wants to win the team who's emotionally invested in it's the nuggets because he he won his coach of the year award there he lives in colorado uh, and he just is much more affiliated with the denver nuggets certainly more so than the golden state warriors who he coached from 1996 or 1986 sorry to 1988 and even george carl himself said the refs were setting this up for game 5 they didn't want to see a sweep And look, when there's financial incentive, there is an agenda. So it doesn't surprise me that that game was incredibly lopsided in favor of the Nuggets. The league wanted to gain five. The league is, their credibility is so shady when it comes to officiating. All you need to do is look up the name Tim Donaghy if you don't believe me. There was an actual NBA official, folks, caught rigging games. He was making phone calls moments before the games that he rigged to other officials this was swept under the rug by then NBA Co- Commissioner David Stern. It does not surprise me if the game was rigged. So now we have a game five. I have faith that the NBA is going to stay out of this more so. They got their fifth game. They got all that extra money. Supposedly, the Warriors will earn an additional $8 million just in in-game revenue from a game five. So you can see the incentive for not wanting to necessarily create the sweep. Anyways, I'm going to address anyone who... uh leaves me comments anyone who leaves me questions uh, on the youtube jam channel i want to first want to uh from yep martin loberiza yo love you man love you right back we've never met but if you're showing me love i feel it dude thank you so much and also and again i don't screen any of these i just see him coming down um if it's utterly asinine maybe i won't address it uh but also from the same individual Yep, martin did you see the mention of someone posing the scenario that should kd want to return? They proposed the trade of Jordan Poole, Wiseman, and Wiggins for KD. Would you do it? I would do it if Jordan Poole was not included in the trade. I am not giving up Jordan Poole, who's 21, I'm sorry, 22 years of age, uh, for Kevin Durant, who's what, 33, 34? Uh, I mean, people are not talking about this enough. And, And maybe Tom Brady and, to a greater extent, LeBron James have just spoiled uh, sports fandom silly in terms of aging athletes. But for every one of them who pushes their late 30s or in Tom Brady's case, who is insane, as insane as this may sound, he is older than me. Thank you, Tom, for making us old guys look amazing. There is a thousand other cases of people who age naturally and appropriately. Andre Iguodala, who's 38 years old, missed game two because he had a stiff neck. And look, it was a very serious case, and that could happen in theory at any age. But that's obviously going to happen more so when you're older. Um, so Kevin Durant is is in his mid thirties now. So when we talk about his his play and and them getting swept by the Celtics, and believe me, later in the show I'm going to talk about that. Um, don't forget that a, a very potential variable for affecting Kevin Durant is the fact that he's getting older. Is the fact that he did tear his Achilles one of the most severe injuries in basketball? And he's trying to come back from that. It doesn't help that he has no assistance from other teammates on that squad. Kyrie Irving, in my opinion, is just – he's one of the very few NBA players I have zero respect for uh, based on the complete idiocy that comes out of his mouth. Uh, These athletes need to remember they have tremendous influence on the world around them, especially with young people. So when a professional athlete like Kyrie Irving, who has a movie made after him, who clearly has a lot of fans – is coming out espousing opinions that the Earth is flat, and on a side note, he was saying that for a year. It's not like he said it and was like kidding for a year. He was maintaining that. Who knows? Maybe it's a possibility. And, and what Kyrie Irving subscribes to is one of my favorite professors in graduate school. Uh, um, brought brought made me aware of it. It's called postmodernism. It's a it's a school of philosophy where you question everything. And that is what Kyrie Irving is part of. That is his school of thought, question everything. But that's psychotic. It, that's There's a better name for that, cynicism. It's not logical. There is not enough time in this world to literally question everything and find the answers. Sometimes you just have to trust the experts. And that's something Kyrie refuses to do. He has his own beliefs. He clearly, I don't know where he gets his information from. If I ever did an interview with him, that'd be one of the first things I'd ask is Kyrie where are you getting your information? Is it just whatever YouTube video shows up that you're watching? I, I don't get it, but uh, I digress. Kevin Durant, though, regardless, um, it, it's, I mean, he's not getting any younger, and uh, and that Nets team, like I said, and George Carl said this, and and I totally agree with him. You know, if you believe in the basketball gods, if you at a minimum believe in karma, that Nets team it, it got what it what was coming to them. You know, it's it's they, they they we're just trying to buy a super team. Uh, You know, you have no alpha on that team. Kevin Durant has proven he lacks a mental acumen to, uh, in terms of strength, to really lead a team to glory. And you're seeing the result of that. So, but look, I'll save some more Kevin Durant comments for later, simply because we're here to talk about the Warriors, although he is an ex-Warrior. Game five is coming up. The first thing uh, I want to bring up is Steve Kerr. Uh, The Warriors... Um, this time of year, and and part of the reason why I don't have a guest today is just because all the individuals I normally bring on the show as guests they're just so busy because the Warriors uh, are holding press conferences almost daily, making head coach Steve Kerr available, making players available, and the media is just working overtime at Chase Center uh, or being ready for all these meetings. Um, you know, uh, uh, posting great content for the most part. Um, and so they're just not available right now. Uh, and so fortunately the rest of the week, I do have guests. So I'll preview that later in the show, but I want to first play the soundbite, um, of Steve Kerr and Bantha, I'll get to your question in just a second. Uh, and this is Kerr talking about Jonathan Kaminga, who for the first time, uh, in this series played non-garbage minutes. And my critique of this was, and, and, uh, if you ever want to hear me after the games, I'm joining my buddy Larry Kruger on his show. It's called The Krug Show. Uh, I strongly recommend subscribing to it on YouTube. And we have a great time after every Warriors game. Um, but, you know, I, br- I brought up this point on that show, and I'll bring it up here again. If you're going to play Kaminga in game four, I just didn't understand the timing of it. I thought there was a much better opportunity for him to play in the third quarter uh, in, in, in place of Andre Igadala who was utterly ineffective. Igadala laid almost a Tony Snell night number. What I mean by that is Tony Snell is notorious for, for having lines that just have zeros across the board. Uh, Andre Igadala, I believe, had one assist, but he had zero points. He had uh, zero rebounds, and I'm actually looking at the stat line right here. That um, I, I stand corrected. He had one rebound and no assists, and that rebound was an offensive rebound. But still, he had no points. He had uh, five fouls. Uh, He had one rebound, no assists. Uh, He was zero for three from the field, and he wasn't even playing that great defensively. Um, I don't understand why Steve Kerr was playing him on uh, Cousins. I don't understand why he was playing him on Jokic. Andre Iguodala is one of the greatest defenders this game has ever seen. He won the 2015 NBA Finals MVP award because of his defense but he's also 38, and that's going to lead to the question I'm going to answer in just a second. And and a, and a, he's a huge liability offensively, and the lineup he was a part of in that third quarter uh, I think also had Draymond in there, and, and they needed a big who could also give you points, and I thought that would have been a fantastic moment for Jonathan Kaminga to come in, not in the second quarter when the Nuggets had all the momentum. Jonathan Kaminga, a rookie, uh, who has never played important minutes of the postseason, was suddenly thrust into this game, and all the lead, all the Warriors did was see their lead drop. Uh, Kaminga's plus-minus was surprisingly not that bad. It was only minus three in um, 11 minutes of play, but that was just the wrong time. Anyways, a, a media member asked Steve Kerr today about Jonathan Kaminga and whether or not we can expect to see him more in this series, and here's what Steve Kerr had to say. When you looked, looked at Kaminga's stint, stint uh, uh, back, back to the tape, stint. did you see... More things you liked or more things you didn't like. Uh, I Thought he did a really good job. You know, we put him in because we were really struggling and we we wanted a spark. He gave us a spark. Um, his speed in transition was obvious. You know, he got out and got a couple of hoops and uh, did a really good job defensively. So um, J.K. Uh, played well for us and uh, uh, he's he's gonna you know, he's gonna have a role. At, 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 you know, whether it's uh, Tomorrow or um, you know after that, I mean, he just has to stay ready because he's got the ability to make an impact. And did you think about playing him in the second half? And what, I thought what... about it, thought about it, and decided to go the way we did, um, just based on how the game was going. When so, and again, uh, this is where him and I disagree. And look, who am I to disagree with head coach Steve Kerr? But at the same time, when you're watching this live, some things are pretty blatantly obvious. Kaminga should have been playing in that third quarter. I thought him playing in that second was just the wrong time for him. Um, And and also, uh, you know, and I brought this up with uh, uh, George Carl yesterday and Rick Barry. uh, I raised the point of like, why did Gary Payne the second get less than seven minutes of play? I thought Gary Payne the second should have been uh, getting much more minutes. I mean, I've been arguing on this show for months since I started hosting. He should be a 25 to 30 minute player. And I think he's proven me right in that regard. He gets six minutes and change. Bielitsa, who has rediscovered his game after having just an abysmal January, February, March, um, saw four minutes in change. I, I just did not understand the rotations. And more importantly, I don't understand that if it ain't if it isn't broken, why try to fix it? You had a great rotation going. And, and George Carl mentioned something about um, the, the foul trouble that Klay Thompson got into as being a catalyst for all these, these changes from so these deviations from the norm um and and everyone who's commenting by the way promise i'll get to you in just a second uh first i gotta show some love to prize picks uh this is fantasy made easy it is super fun in terms of the fact that you get to just bet on individuals and over under so for example they might say jordan pulls over under for points in game five at 23 do you think he's gonna score more than that or less than that if you feel great about it put some money down and a really cool part of prize picks is it's fast withdrawal. And it's easy to use. You pick two to five players and an over under on the projections. You can win up to 10 times on any entry and it's just you versus the projected numbers. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. And again, the safe and fast withdrawals are huge. You don't get that with most other online gambling services. So most times you have to go through wire services, weird ways of getting your money back. Uh, They take huge penalties for it. With Prize Picks, it's just in and out. It's super easy, and for a limited time, Prize Picks has an exclusive no-brainer of an offer for all our users. You get fifty bucks for free if a player in your first Prize Picks entry scores just a single point. But you must use the code NBA. That's right. This is an exclusive offer available to Locked On fans. Sign up today and use the code NBA to get fifty bucks for free if a player in your first Prize Picks entry scores just a single point. Uh, Bantha person, Foddy. Know me, Doug, sit tight. I'm going to get right to you. This is Locked On Warriors. You are Locked On Warriors, your daily Golden State Warriors podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Warriors your first listen. For your next listen, check out the Locked On Now podcast, nightly recaps of every NBA game with analysis from our local experts. It's free and available wherever you get podcasts. I'm Cyrus Sotzes. Again, you can follow me on Twitter at Docs or Frocho. Let's get right to it. Fadi, that is so nice of you to say this in regards to complimenting on the solo aspect. Um, thank you. I mean, I personally would prefer to get a second person in here, and at some point I am going to get a co-host uh, once again just because it's good for perspective. You know I mean? I I I... It it trips me on when people actually say, like, do I listen to you or, you know, great point. Like, I do not think I'm an important person. I just study this game. You know, I just I love basketball, love the Warriors, and and I analyze it extensively. Um, So Fadi, thank you so much. That is a really, really kind thing of you to say. Um, Bantha person, you wrote an interesting thing that I'm going to cover right now. Hate to say it, but is Iggy washed? He can't defend anymore. We have other playmakers, and he even stopped looking at the rim. I think Kaminga or GP2, even Moody maybe, are better options thoughts. Depends. Uh, Let's not forget about Game 1, Iggy, who actually did put in a solid effort. Uh, Game 3, Iggy, let's not forget he was dunking like he was 28 years old at the end of that game. Um, I don't like to jump to uh, quick conclusions. I don't like to make rash decisions. It was just one game. Um, do, am I going to expect Iguodala to play for the warriors next year? No, I'm pretty sure this is it for him. Um, but at the same time, I still do think he provides tremendous value on the court. He's a great ball handler. Um, if you're playing a team that doesn't have a behemoth like Nikola Jokic to defend, I think he's insanely valuable defensively. Um, on good nights, he still hits those open threes. Let's not forget all those clutch threes he was hitting back in the NBA finals and another playoff series. Um, but with that said, uh, if if you're the head coach of this team, and in this case being Steve Kerr, if Igadol is out there and he just looks lost, like he did in game four, he did not look good. That was just not a good look on his part. You got to pull him out. Uh, I mean, and that's where, yeah, I really think Kaminga could play in certain moments, depending on who's around him. I just thought the second quarter was a, was a horrible time to put him in. I thought the third quarter would have been much better. Uh, And, and Gary Payne, the second, yes, hundred percent. Yes. I mean, like, he played for six minutes. The exact numbers I have the box score right in front of me here. His he played a grand total of six minutes 49 seconds. Why? I i, I just don't understand that. Even if Clay Thompson gets two quick fouls, uh, why should that limit Gary Payne the seconds? Minutes he is not necessarily a liability on offense. True, um, he's not going to give you a ton of points, he's not great off the dribble. But those corner threes are lethal. I believe he shot 36% from three for the year, which is a solid number. That is not bad by any regard. And despite being 6'3", he is so freaking athletic that when he's near the rim, he's a lob threat. He's an offensive rebound threat. And defensively, he pesters Jokic. And Jokic was way too comfortable in game four. And a huge reason for that was, A... Steve Kerr once again decided to to play Kevon Looney on him extensively. That is a failed experiment. I love Kevon Looney. Mr. Iron Man, you played 82 games. You've been on numerous championship teams. I love you, Kevon. But this is just not the series for you. Nikola Jokic is eating Kevon Looney alive. Uh, uh, Somebody who's following me on Twitter, I don't know his real name, I think he calls himself Chip Tingle. We've had some interesting back and forths. He actually made a a, a very uh, bright observation and a strong suggestion, which is that Why not bring Kevon Looney off the bench and have him play against DeMarcus Cousins? Now, that is a great idea. I 100% support that because Kevon Looney cannot guard Nikola Jokic. That is a huge liability for the Warriors. And that also leads me to uh, a conversation that, like, Connor Letourneau is going to join me on the program tomorrow morning. He wrote a great piece for the San Francisco Chronicle uh, discussing Stephen Curry and whether or not it's time to bring him off the bench and put him back in the starting lineup. Uh, Did I say that right? Whatever. Um yes, it is time for Stephen Curry to start. It, it, this it was it, look, he's a selfless human being. He's just one of the greatest people on the planet. He's just a good person. The Warriors are so lucky to have had him fall to to the Warriors in the draft the year he came out of college. And you know, it, and it's incredible that he's been coming off the bench for four games now, but that that it's over. I mean, the fact that they lost game 4, you know, it's like all right, okay, you're not messing around with an undefeated team anymore it's time to bring Stephen curry uh back to the starting lineup away from the bench and that leads to question okay well who are you not going to start and and i don't think it's that complicated of an answer it is kevon looney Uh, steve kerr experimented with bringing him bringing him off the bench during the regular season and you know kevon i think if there's any player who can handle that uh without it being a detriment it is him andrew wiggins uh the last thing i think you want to do is mess with his psyche by by sending messages of hey we love you but you're not good enough to be a starter i don't know if that's a message you want to be sending out to andrew wiggins and messing with the psyche um so kevon looney i think just has to come off the bench um i it's it seems logical to me uh doug Dungas while the watch is live thank you yeah man i I'll, i'll do more live things it's just when we have guests a lot of them aren't very comfortable with it um, but on days when I when I host solo, I'm absolutely making this live. And uh, and again, one of the really nice things about the Locked On Network, who I love working for, man, it's taken me 20 something years in the media game to find what I consider to be a perfect fit. And um, they're they're giving me tremendous input in terms of who my co-host will be. Uh, I certainly believe that in any kind of radio show or podcast uh, format like this, a talk show, if you're going to make it a two person uh, a program. The chemistry has to be there, and and I'm really happy that Locked On realized that. So um, there might be an announcement soon. There might be an announcement after the uh, the 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 playoffs are over. But um, regardless, whoever that person is, we will be doing a lot more live shows. I think it's really fun as well. Um, and Christian, again, I'll answer all these. Sorry, that's uh, he is no longer a part of the program, so um, that's not going to happen. Uh, let's see what else is here. Well, why don't we? Why don't I uh, give some love to another sponsor real quick? Bet online. As I mentioned just a moment ago, bet online, online.net is your number one source for all your betting stats and sports information. And as I mentioned at the beginning of the program, the Warriors are favored by nine points over the Denver Nuggets in tomorrow's game five. Uh, the OU is 225 and a half. If I had to bet, I would bet the Warriors simply because I really do think they're going to come out like gangbusters and try and blow this Nuggets team away. Uh, look, home court advantage is a real thing. And it especially applies to role players. It applies to bench players. And the Nuggets have Jokic and another 12, 13, 14 guys who are basically role players. None of these other individuals are stars. So when they're at home, his complementary pieces are much more likely to thrive. And we saw that. Morris was hitting threes, like he hit five threes in that game. That was asinine. Aaron Gordon does not play that good normally. We're not going to see them playing that well again. Bones Highland is not going to be dropping 33-foot three-pointers, hitting nothing but net at Chase Center. I am confident of that. So if I had to bet on this game, yeah, I'd say Warriors minus nine and the OU being 225.5, I'd say bet the over, but I'm not confident on that one either. Regardless. BetOnline.net has been a longtime sponsor of this program. You can find all your the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's basketball playoffs and the start of the Major League Baseball season. They're your continued source for all your sporting wagering information, from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today, BetOnline.net, or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline. It's where the game starts. And in just a moment, uh, Jeff. Uh, Bant Bantha person, Ethan, Xavier. I'm going to address all of your chat questions in just a moment here on Locked on Warriors. You are locked on Warriors, your daily golden state warriors podcast, part of the locked on podcast network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Warriors your first listen every day. We are free and available on literally every platform possible that hosts podcasts and, of course, YouTube. If you're watching this live, you're seeing it on the YouTube stream. Um, Let's see what's going on here Uh, with the chat. Hello, Cyrus. How are you from Noemi? I hope I pronounced that correctly. How are you, Solid Fan here in Hong Kong? Doing good. I'm feeling great about the Warriors game five. That's for sure. I am very confident they're going to win that game. Uh, head coach, George Carl, who was on with me yesterday, thought it would be closer than people think. And I don't doubt that the nuggets have a lot of pride. They have a lot of fight in them. Um, uh, but I think the warriors are just a vastly superior team. Um, I do think in later rounds, lack of height could be an issue. Tim Roy was on the show last Friday. I love him, the voice of the warriors, and he echoed similar sentiments. This could be a concern. I mean, the, the biggest player in the warriors is six, nine, this Kevon Looney, B. leads might be six, nine as well. It might be six, eight. He's hovering in that height range we got to see more b elites regardless. The Warriors have to play him more. But um, in general, this is a small team. And I hope that does not bite them uh, in the you-know-what in later rounds. But I still strongly consider them to, to be the favorites. And I certainly think they're a vastly superior team uh, to the Denver Nuggets. And this was a great test for the Warriors just in the sense that Nikola Jokic, the, who's very likely going to win his second MVP award, you're not going to find a much tougher test than him as a big man to battle. DeMarcus Cousins, vastly underrated as a big, a player who on a side note, the Warriors could have picked up. I asked Steve Kerr about him back in January. His response was, I don't handle personnel, even though just a week earlier he said Gary Payne II was going to be signed for the rest of the year. I don't know what to tell you about that. I, my my hunch is, is that Cousins and Kerr just did not jive in his one year with the Warriors. But nonetheless, the Warriors did not address the the, the lack of a center on this roster we got to take what what's been given to us um but nonetheless you know they're handling DeMarcus Cousins even I think actually Bielica uh did a decent job manning up on him and as I mentioned just about 10 minutes ago uh Kevon Looney I think is a player who should be matched up on Cousins I think that is a far superior matchup for Looney defensively uh <clears throat> versus what he's been doing with Jokic which is just utter ineffectiveness I mean that just has not worked um, so anyways, uh, let's see what's going on here in terms of what people have been writing. Uh, this is coming from the person. Why do you think Kerr won't mix in some of our old effective plays? Bogut sideline alley-oop. Well, I think we, we saw that play at the end of game four and it failed miserably. It was just, I don't think Andrew Wiggins is the right guy. I don't know how Jokic sniffed that play out. Not a good look for the coaching staff when other teams are sniffing out your plays. Um, And maybe it was because of that. Um, Elevator door for Steph Clay, yes. That's what I would have liked to see at the end of game four. And by the way, the elevator door play for Steph and Clay, and this goes to the horrible officiating in game four. If you recall, they ran that play as an inbound for Clay to end the first half, and the refs called an offensive foul on Clay Thompson. That was asinine. Even Doris Burke, who is in my opinion, tremendously objective when she calls games, thought that was a ridiculously abysmal, asinine call. What are you going to do? Um, so I hope we see those. One of the great things about Steve Kerr is he does adjust. And let's hope he goes back to the the tried and true in uh, in Game 5. Um, Ethan Cullen Bell writes, Hey, Cyrus, what are your thoughts on the starting lineup for Game 5? Nobody knows yet what the starting lineup is going to be. My hunch is Stephen Curry is going to be back in it. I really hope that doesn't come at the expense of the pool party. I think Jordan Poole is a player who, despite his 11-point performance in Game 4, has earned his place as a starter on this roster. Kevon Looney, in my opinion, is the odd man out for this year, uh, or at least for this series. So you'd have to go with a small starting five of Steph, the pool party, Clay. Uh, uh Andrew Wiggins and Draymond Green that is what I would roll with I hope that is what Steve Kerr rolls with um if you ask me pragmatically what do you think is going to happen I hate to say this but my suspicions tell me pool is going to come off the bench I hope that's not what is going to happen um, and I hope Kerr does not maintain his stubbornness which has been one of his weaknesses as a coach but I, I to me Looney has to come off the bench I, I don't see how else uh, uh you roll with this lineup and not to mention even though they're small on the defensive side, offensively, that starting five is borderline indefensible. Like, I don't know, teams just cannot stop that. And that's another critique of Steve Kerr for game four is we didn't see uh, the splash party. When you when you see me say the splash party, I'm referring to the Splash brothers, Stephen Clay, along with uh, Jordan Poole, uh, until we come up with a nickname that all of Dub Nation agrees to. That's what I'm rolling with. We did not see the splash party until, what, like a, a three minutes left to go in the second quarter. Don't quote me on that number, but it felt really late. In the second quarter, I don't know what's going on there. I don't know, again, why the the lapses uh, in coaching acumen occurred in game four. Um, And look, my criticism should warrant two things here. One, that I'm not this blatant homer. I will levy criticism when it's due. Um, and, And two, I don't think Steve Kerr is immune to criticism. But at the same time, it doesn't mean if I'm criticizing him that I'm calling for his head. I still think he is far and away the best coach the Warriors can have. Um, so I hope that answers your question. Uh, Xavier Ortiz. I don't know if that's my, someone I know. What are your thoughts on pool missing out on most improved player? Either way, you're killing it. Thank you. That's really kind of you, Xavier. I'm glad you brought that up because that's going to lead to a soundbite. I'm going to play for you. Um, this is a, a soundbite courtesy of the inside the NBA crew because Charles Barkley, uh, chimed in on this and I thought what he said was astute. It was brilliant. Uh, so let me find that, that clip real quick. Here we go. This is it. So this is Charles Barkley talking about the most improved player award and why he didn't think John Morant should have won it.
1: Uh, I was not, not surprised, surprised he, won, he won, won because he, he, he was a second pick in the draft and he was Ricker of the year. He's doing what he's supposed to do. I thought those other guys came out of nowhere. That was my only problem, but he had a fabulous year and, uh, congratulations. Well, but still, those I numbers. The, I mean, I you, you make that you make that jump. Yeah, I think. Well, he jumped from rookie of the year to most improved. Well, that's a big jump. He no, jumped from not making yeah. All-Star team to being on the brink of superstardom. And yeah. yeah, I think the, I think the um, where he jumped into the limelight of that Chuck is, yes, he's rookie of the year, averaged 19 points. The next jump would be 22, 23, 25. He jumped. He skipped four steps for most people. So. If you're looking at it, that's, I think that's where the uh, improvement and, and then the team, it's improvement with him at the same time. You know, I think all of that happened. Yeah, you know, right. you know, right. I, I think we've got this fixed.
0: So, based off what, again, I agree with Chuck. I don't agree with uh, Kenny Smith. Um, look, John Morant did make a jump. All right. He's right. He was scoring 19 and change. This year he scored 27 and change. But he's also the, he was the rookie of the year. And, to me, when you think of that word improved, I'm thinking of a player who a year ago was in the G league, who was on the verge of being out of this game. That is where Jordan Poole was a year and change ago. Maybe like a year and a half ago, whatever. Jordan Poole's leap to me was far and beyond what John Morant's leap was. And this is not a Homer thing. and i'll and I'll give kudos. To someone who I've actually had a huge beef with, uh, Bill Simmons. I'm going to play a soundbite from him in just a moment. Uh, Bill, but Bill Simmons um, and, and Ryan Brasillo, who I love their Sunday night like that Sunday night uh, podcast they do, even if, if Bill Simmons blocked me because I, I'm accusing him rightfully so of, of defaming Rick Barry's character by blatantly lying in his book, calling him a dick one time in a, in a separate written piece and refusing to ever talk to him. Bill Simmons has never said one word to Rick Barry, but he has all these opinions about him and has stated a lot of things like they're facts about Rick. Um, and Bill Simmons decided to block me because I called him out on that. Regardless, I still listen to his show sometimes. The Sunday night program, especially with Rasillo, is great. Uh, I'm going to play a soundbite from Bill Simmons in just a second because I do think he's utterly wrong, but even Sim- in, in regards to the Warriors. But when it comes to the most improved player, uh, they'll, they, vote, they have votes, and they voted for Jordan Poole. And Jordan Poole finished fourth, and I just thought that was ridiculous. I, I thought at a bare minimum, Jordan Poole should have been a top three player. Um, so that's that's what I what I think. And thank you so much, uh, Dordu, Are you worried about the reliance on Draymond and what happens if he fouls out early in later games? I'm worried only in the sense of wear and tear. Um, this was my gripe the entire season in terms of why Bob Myers did not decide to uh, find. A backup to find to have a contingency plan for if and when James Wiseman was not available. I mean, by the by November, there should have been some concern. By January, when they were publicly admitting we no longer know when he's gonna play, there should have been a move made. And I don't understand the lack of a move. Now, now look, I've said on the show also that the Warriors small ball lineup it, and I see the genius of it. I see what Kerr and, and Myers are doing here. They think that the small ball lineup, the benefit of it, basically blowing teams away offensively with their speed, especially, um, outweighs the negative of, you know, maybe losing rebounds, not blocking shots. My biggest concern with Draymond is the wear and tear. Um, I've never worried. I mean, the fouling thing, look, that sixth foul was ridiculous. It was not a foul. And if it was a foul, it was the most ticky-tack foul ever. You should not be calling that in the postseason. Um I'm not worried about him fouling out again. I'm really not. Uh, That game, the NBA did everything in their power to give Denver game four. And that includes fouling Draymond out. That includes what would have been 14 free throws in the first quarter to two for the Warriors. Uh, The only reason why it was 12 for the Nuggets was because Steve Kerr challenged a foul on Stephen Curry, had to waste the challenge in the first quarter to prevent Steph from getting a second foul, And it was he was right. The refs reviewed it and they were like, yeah, Jokic just barreled into Stephen Curry, who was just standing there doing nothing wrong. Um, But that they lost their challenge as a result of that. And that didn't change the fact that in, in the first quarter, the free throw edge was 12 to two. The free throw edge at the end of the first half, I believe, was 23 to 12. Um, and, and this was just not meant to be. And the fact that the Warriors still almost won that game, they would have won if Clay hit that corner three at the end. They would have won if Wiggins would have put home that, that, that offensive rebound that he missed the dunk. Uh, it was that close. So that, that's a huge reason why I think the Warriors are going to really mop the floor with these guys in game five. Could be wrong. It could be close, but in all likelihood, I think they're going to mop the floor and I certainly think they're going to win game five. Um, so I hope that answers your question. Uh, <laughs> francis yeah look i'm not a shy about talking about this look, b- bottom line this is what i'll tell you i'm not going to bad mouth my, my former co-host at all um but he quit he, he it was he made the decision to leave and a lot of it was just he was very worried about his image and guilt by association in terms of me saying things that would get back to him and and i will not filter myself i'm not going to do that i'm sorry and so we left the show so that's that um again i have nothing personal against him. uh you know but you know sometimes you know like sometimes just partnerships don't work and and we we didn't know each other before the show started and you know and i so i will have a new co-host soon and this time i'm gonna have input on that and hopefully the chemistry will be awesome it might be someone you know and all likely to will but regardless yeah he's the only with the program so for now you're stuck with me i do sincerely apologize for that in case you're not a big fan, uh, Zach Schmelz writes straight up. Warriors will close out the series in game five because of home court. I wholeheartedly agree. Uh, Jeff, you're right. I'm the truth. I try to be. I try, man. Thank you. Uh, I've never had my credibility questioned um, as a journalist. And just a reminder, as a podcast host, I'm going to be espousing a lot more opinions because that's how this format works. But hopefully you will find their educated opinions. And if I ever say facts, I do my research, folks. I'm literally an expert on research, given I am a professor. Um, oh, and I'm sorry, Jeb. Uh, I pronounce your name like Jeb. All right, sounds good. Thank you. Uh, Michael B. writes foul trouble changed the lineup. That is true. Uh, my pushback on that, Michael, is I thought Kerr had too much of uh, of, a, of a trigger, of a fast trigger, in terms of pulling Clay out. I know two fouls is a little sketchy, but at the same time. Clay is not someone who routinely fouls out. Clay is someone who is who is routinely smart when it comes to fouls. And Clay in that first quarter of Game Four had a hot hand. I mean, he was smoking. I don't know if you remember that, but he he, he was off to. And I don't have the numbers to back it up on me right now, but he was off to a hot start. And the fact that that second foul, you know, I don't think it forced Kerr's hand, but he felt it was forced, and he pulled uh Clay out, and that was the beginning of the end. Um, and that really sucks. And Xavier, yeah, good to see you, buddy. Uh, miss you in class today. <laughs> great to see you. You had a good excuse. Um, yeah, and I do agree, uh, Sandra, that Draymond fouling out did did hurt the team tremendously. You're right. If he didn't foul out, I think the Warriors won at the end. They had the momentum completely uh, behind him. Um, but at the same time, that sixth foul was so ticky-tack. And the Warriors were not only playing the Nuggets in game four, they were playing the refs. It was so blatantly obvious. And again, George Carl, a Hall of Famer, a legendary head coach. He was on the show just yesterday. I highly recommend watching it. If you did not, even he was echoing those sentiments. I mean, and he's someone who emotionally is much more tied to the Nuggets and the Warriors. And even he was agreeing. He was like, yes, like the refs wanted the Nuggets to win. Um, and this is an NBA head coach saying this. So there's just not much you can do about that. Yeah. Um, Let's see here. Uh, Maja Mintoff, please. Uh, my apologies if I mispronounce anyone's names. The mi- most improved player vote winner Morant is messed up. It should have been JP3. You're correct. You're correct. Yeah, I've covered this already. I played Barkley's comment on it. Um, I wholeheartedly agree. You are you are 100% right. Um, DoorDee writes, do you think NBA refs doing everything they can to prevent a sweep is a real thing? Yes. Yes. Again, just Google Tim Donaghy. If you really don't believe me it is not a conspiracy theory rigging has happened in real life in the nba and i wholeheartedly believe in the notion that for every criminal that's caught there are 10 if not 100 who get away with the same crime who knows what's going on the easiest way to rig a sporting event is not trying to buy out the player it's trying to pay off the ref because it takes the most minuscule of things to affect a game tremendously. And at a minimum, even if they weren't rigging it for the Nuggets to win, they certainly rigged it for them to cover the spread. And I do believe that, yes. I, and I don't think that's cynicism. I don't think that's conspiracy theory nonsense. Tim Donaghy was busted and went to jail for rigging NBA games. And David Stern shut that story down so fast as he normally did given he would always protect the league at all costs. But if you look into that whole story, it does raise eyebrows and makes you wonder because Donaghy was was making a lot of phone calls, hundreds of phone calls to other referees moments before the games that he rigged. Don't get me started on that, man. Um, Let's see here. Kyle Valentine writes, Cyrus, we talked on Twitter. I think you will know me by my name. I'm 23 from Boston. I'm all about the Warriors. I do recognize you. And I'm all for locking Smart in a room before the finals for what he did to Steph. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah, I have no argument here. I thought that was a, just a dirty play. I don't, I'll don't. i say this about Marcus Smart's play that knocked Steph out for a month. I don't think it was like intentional dirty. Like there's different variances, different levels to dirty play. Um, I don't think Marcus Smart died for the ball with the intention in his head of, I'm going to hurt Steph. But I do think he was reckless. He could have been more careful. And just the fact that on that very same play, he karate kicked Clay Thompson in the chest and then was laying on the ground, flopping and whining, borderline crying, acting like he was the victim. All in the same play. Not like a next play a minute later. All in the same play. Yeah, so FU Marcus Smart. I do agree with you on that. Um, Sandras, you write... And if I miss any of these, I do apologize. I'm trying to get to all of them. Jordan Poole had a bad game. We need to step it up game five. Yeah, wholeheartedly agree. And I think he will. Um, And and I really do think also the home crowd is going to help tremendously. Again, if you're not someone named Stephen Curry uh, or Klay Thompson or Draymond Green, if you're not someone named LeBron James, if you're not someone named, I mean, who are the biggest stars in this game today? Like Luka Doncic, I guess. Um, Giannis, certainly. If you're not one of these type players, I even put Jimmy Butler in that category. The, The dude is a legit baller. Um, road games don't phase people like that so much, but road games phase almost everyone else. It's a part of human nature. I mean, if you're in an arena and you have close to 20,000 people yelling the worst things possible to you outside of maybe personal attacks on your family or whatnot, because I think you can get kicked out for stuff like that. But I mean, they're they sitting there just pumping negative energy towards you for two and a half hours. I think that does affect you a little bit. Um, we saw an increase in three-point. Uh, uh, percentage numbers when the NBA was in the bubble. And that was that correlated directly with a lack of a crowd. The crowd does affect these players. And Jordan Poole, even though I foresee tremendous greatness for him, he's still only 22 years old. This is only the first time he's really on this type of stage. And I do think him playing in Denver is harder for him than playing at Chase. And the whole reason I'm saying that I don't see him playing or putting up just 11 points again. I think he's going to have a much bigger game. Um, let's see what's going on here real quick. Uh, here's a question from Gilbert. Do you see the dubs targeting a center like miles Turner? Uh, I will not address come back. Gil, I'll say this Gilbert come back at me when the, when the postseason is over, I will talk about all that offseason stuff. Then right now there's just no point. Um it, I hope you follow me there. It's just, it's I, I'll i happily, believe me, the moment the season is over for the Warriors, we're going to get into the nitty gritty of personnel decisions, available free agents, the draft, we're going to get into all of that. But right now, the focus is the Nuggets, and to a greater extent, maybe who they play next. Um, but yeah, possibly, possibly, but I'll, I'll leave it at that. Um, let's see. Uh, do you're active here today. Do you think Poole is playing at a level... That demands a max contract. I don't know yet. What I mean by that is, let's say the Warriors get out of this round, but they lose to the Grizzlies next round. Hypothetically, I'm not saying that's going to happen. I don't think that's going to happen, but let's say for the sake of argument, let's say that does happen. Um, I think Poole will get a four-year, $100 million deal. But then let's say the Warriors win the championship this year, which they're favored to do, which I have predicted. I still think it's going to happen. Won't be easy because they're a small team. Um, Then, yeah, he's going to get the max. Absolutely. So I think it's contingent on how they do in the postseason in terms of Jordan Poole and how much he's going to get your second part of your question. uh, Will that mean losing Wiggins? I've talked about him extensively on the show, but again, I'll save that for the offseason. Let's try to contain the negative negative energy uh, directed toward Warriors players right now. Ethan Bell, I think I, I addressed the post years a moment ago, wrote, not sure if you know this, but the Warriors are huge around the world. I do know that. They are. I'm old enough to vividly remember Michael Jordan. My first memories of the Warriors were the 86, 87 Golden State Warriors, coached, funny enough, by George Carl with Sleepy Floyd and Chris Mullen and crew. And I remember Dominique. I even remember Dr. J, Kareem, and Magic, and Bird. Um, so I remember the rock star status that Michael Jordan had internationally. And the only other player and team that I ever feel relates to that are these Golden State Warriors. Stephen Curry is a global superstar. Um, so what you're writing here where you you regularly get up for or stay up for three and starts. Um, yeah, that's common. Yeah, the, the Warriors are a wildly popular international team. So Ethan, totally with you. And if I was living in the UK, I'd be do the same thing. Um, let's see. Uh, the person writes that the games are being called like this. We should be getting him in foul trouble uh on Jokic yes and and that's look that's one thing with Jokic that the Warriors game four was just was just bad for the Warriors I mean it was bad from coaching it was obviously the officials were against the Warriors um but offensively they also didn't do what they were doing in games one through three and one of the the things offensively that the Warriors were doing that was so effective was attacking Nikola Jokic he is not a fast-footed Individual, he's not light on his feet. The dude looks like Baby Huey, and that translates sometimes offensively, especially. I'm sorry on the defensive end. So, uh, ban the person you're you're talking about getting Jokic in foul trouble. I, I, yes, attack him night and day, and it wouldn't surprise me if we see see them do that tomorrow uh, in Game Five. Um, Francis Clome writes: Jordan is hurting a little bit he'll be fine if you're referring to Jordan Poole yeah he's got that forearm injury uh it's on his non-shooting hand I think that's what you're referring to and that injury happened What I think game two and the most encouraging part about the injury is that when it happened they weren't applying ice to the injury which is what you usually do to to reduce swelling they actually put a heating pad on there which indicated less of a swelling thing. It could have been more of a tissue issue, could be a nerve issue, maybe hit the elbow and he's dealing with that. Um, whatever the case may be, look, all players in the postseason are hurting. Uh, there's no surprise there. Uh, and I think, like you said, Francis, he's gonna be fine. Um, I want to play some more sound here, real quick before I wrap things up. First of all, uh, going around the NBA, Draymond Green has his own podcast, and and Draymond made a a fantastic uh a point about why the the brooklyn nets were swept by the boston celtics folks the boston celtics are the real deal um i i don't like the hyperbole that much that their their defense is like the greatest ever it's like slow the roll down a little bit there they just got out of the first round of the playoffs but look they, they do look legit um and, but with that said what draymond brings up and, and i'll play this sound for you right now and i guess we're gonna be going really long today uh but whatever, it's the playoffs. Let's have some fun. Um, but Draymond Green brings up a great point about um, why the Celtics swept the Nets. Um, and, it's, it's, and it's really astute. I, 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 I value Draymond's intelligence tremendously, especially when it comes to the game of basketball. Um, so here is Draymond on why the Celtics swept former Golden State Warrior, Kevin Durant, the Flat Earther, and the Nets. Boston,
1: Boston made, made it a, a point. point. That Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving will not beat us. We know those two guys can beat us. They're not going to beat us. And what it looked to me as there was no one to get those two guys in position to score the ball where they like to score the ball from. And so you end up seeing a ton of turnovers. Uh, you know, I saw the numbers with like Katie. Uh, and his turnovers versus Jason Tatum and, and all the different things. But the reality is Brooklyn struggled to get stops the entire series. You struggle to get stops. You come down against a set defense every single time you come down to court. I don't care how good of an offensive team you are or what offensive players you got on your team. Playing against a set defense every time is nearly impossible. KD get the ball, it's six eyes on him, it's eight eyes on him. What that means is you have his two eyes, the guys guarding him, uh, the two eyes of the guys to the right, the two eyes of the guys to the left, maybe the two eyes of the guys right behind, you know. And so when you say six eyes or eight eyes, that's what that means. And, you know, those guys are coming down the court against this set defense, and they're seeing all of these eyes. The whole defense is shifted towards them, loading up, making those guys Either have to swing it to somebody else to beat us, or you're going to have to beat us with tough shots, and it it, it proved not to work.
0: And that's very astute. I, I, what he, his point in a nutshell is that the Nets' defense was so bad um, that they were they were just giving up really easy buckets. And so by the time the Nets had the ball and were bringing the ball down the court, they were facing a set defense every time. Whereas if their defense was more stout and they were causing turnovers, they were forcing bad shots, the Nets could have pushed the ball more and forced uh, Boston into a transition defense, which is nowhere near as effective as a set half-court defense. Um, And that's true. And, excuse me, got a hair in there. Uh, and, And bottom line is the Nets... You know, you know, I uh Dordu, who I love, you're just hanging out with me this whole time, man. Um, writes the Nets lacked an emotional leader like Draymond. That's true, but they also, I think, equally importantly, they lack an alpha dog. I mean, first of all, they lack a defender. Maybe that's where Ben Simmons will help a little bit for him next year, but they lack that, they just lack a leader, they lack leadership, and and then then that's where maybe you are correct, and that Draymond is the de facto leader of this Golden State Warriors team. I mean, obviously, Stephen Curry is, you know, the star of this team, and, and I think Steph could hold his own as a leader, but why should he when he has Draymond? I mean, it's it's just amazing, this Warriors team, all the players know their role, and Brooklyn doesn't have that. Kevin Durant, you know, Charles Barkley said something that that stirred up a lot of controversy. I wholeheartedly agreed with him, where he said, Kevin Durant is not a bus driver, he's a bus rider the analogy being that every great team uh every great player more specifically is the bus driver of a team uh leading a team to glory and that kevin durant is not that guy and i totally agree like the bus driver for the golden state warriors then you could say they have two of them draymond green stephen curry kevin durant's not a bus driver kevin durant is one of the most skilled basketball players in the history of the nba kevin durant at six eleven is one of the most efficient scorers and offensive player this game has ever seen, simply because at 6'11", he shoots the ball like a 6'5 shooting guard, he handles the ball like a 6'5 shooting guard, but he's got six six extra inches that makes it very hard for opposing players to defend him. But, but, mental strength when it comes time for the postseason is a vitally important variable. Draymond Green made a comment a few days ago about how some players are just not made for the playoffs. What he was alluding to is that some players in the NBA are weak-minded. And that's not to say that they're bad people. That's not to say that in the grand scheme of life that they're mentally tough. But the NBA playoffs just takes a whole different level of mental toughness to reach that pinnacle, which is the Larry O'Brien trophy. And Kevin Durant does not have that. Kyrie Irving certainly does not have that. Ben Simmons does not have that. So even with those three guys, that Brooklyn team is never going to win a world championship. I've been saying this for three years now. And I'll say this to Kevin Durant again because he was on Twitter today saying some really dumb things. The man called himself a god. I kid you not. Just look at his Twitter account. And I'll say this to KD. At a minimum, because I am critical of him, but at a minimum, just explain why you left the Bay Area. I have a I have a stepson to turn 11 uh, two days ago. And I got him into the Warriors. He used to always poke, you know, push my buttons, you know, when I when I first connected with him when he was really young and he started talking. He's like, I like Thunder. He was like rooting for every team I hated. Uh, And then eventually he came around and started loving the Warriors. But he he, he brings that up all the time. Why did Kevin Durant leave? I really love Kevin Durant. Why did he leave? I can't even answer that question. I can't tell my stepson why because I don't know. I I have to go into a long detailed explanation about egos and about self-fulfillment. And I'm just hypothesizing saying that because Durant has never publicly said so. This region did nothing but show him love and respect for the three years he was here. Also that he could use us to pad his legacy with those two rings and then bounce to wherever he wants to go. Just do have the decency to tell this community, this region that did nothing but show you love for, for three years, the three years you were here, just tell us why you left, man, because I still have no idea. I have no clue. Who cares if it's if it's for a shallow reason, like you just wanted to lead your own team and you didn't like Stephen Curry getting more attention than you? Fine. Just say it. There is just not enough transparency in this world I hope you folks who watch this show religiously or at least consistently uh, realize and come to you know know me by now that like transparency is important for me I, I don't I don't like shielding information if on a personal level fine but in this case just just be honest just open up um oh we got a lot, a lot more near comments here um let's see uh AC writes I think they should match up Looney with Boogie, but it seems like Kerr only does pre-planned rotations. Might be true. I I don't know for sure about the pre-planned rotations. I asked Kerr myself, uh, a week and a half, two weeks ago, uh, what to expect in terms of minutes from (laughs) Kaminga. Or I think I phrased the question as, could you tell us how many minutes Kaminga is going to play? His response was, no. (laughs) So I don't know if those are pre-planned. It seemed like Kaminga playing in that last game uh, was spurious um but i agree with you and that's chip chip tingle chip whatever his name is his twitter handle i don't know his real name but he he uh, tweeted at me that that the warriors should do that that they should start matching boogie uh, or or i'm sorry matching up looney on boogie and i totally agree that makes perfect sense you start Draymond at the five be elites in these more minutes um and find better times to play kaminga um What do we have here? Funsky 40. I love cheese pizza. All right. Comet pizza. I have no idea what that means. Okay. Um, Warriors players love cheese pizzas. Okay. Uh, let's see what else here. Um, Francis Colom, right? Steph is definitely the better player. He was screwing him before he came to join us. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no comment on that. Um, I just don't know what to say to that. Uh, KD looks to the ground after a bad play. This is from DoorDude. Draymond gathers the team to lecture them. Different personalities, 100% agree. And maybe that's what it comes down to, just the personalities, right? When I'm saying mental toughness, maybe that's what it means. Maybe KD's just personality is just too soft to single-handedly lead a team to a championship. He needs someone else to handle that role. Um, And I don't know where the Nets are going to find that. Um, Oh, KD loves cheese pizza. Funksy? Okay, I still don't follow what the joke is, but I love it. Um, Zach writes, what do you think of Kyrie saying him and KD will be helping run the Nets? I tweeted that. I thought that was one of the dumbest things I've ever heard in my life. Uh, Kyrie Irving is not the GM of that team. Kyrie Irving is not the owner of that team. Um, yet he he's answered a reporter's question by stating that him and KD, alongside Sean Marks and the owner going to be crit are going to be managing the roster i'm paraphrasing don't quote me verbatim on that but again it's just it's all over social media and all over the internet you can find that for yourself uh, but zach yeah i thought that was just moronic i mean he's just look kyrie irving is just not a smart human being and that just proves that friendly reminder the man thought the earth was flat flat for a year um for a year it wasn't like a week it was a year he kept perpetuating that ridiculous notion. Uh, Gilbert Arballo writes, KD is what people say he is, a snake. Uh, he has leadership issues. He thought he was going to be a part of a super team, but injuries and egos got in the way. Absolutely believe he was jealous of Steph. Could be true. It could be true. But until KD uh, says it, it's all speculation. Um, and the snake thing is weird. I'm not going to call him that. I know a lot of people do. Uh, I just I just wish he just... Ex- just explain why he bailed on us after three years when we did nothing but support the man i want to know what i can tell my stepson other than sorry son life sucks like it's just come on give me a reason um sparks writes kerr rotation is killing the team well they're up 3-1 let's take it easy they did lose game four partly maybe because of that but they're still up 3-1 in the series um I don't know how to pronounce your name with this tweet. I do apologize for that. If that's an otter, is your profile picture? That's cute. Uh, you're right. Do you think Steph will start in game five? Yes, I do think so. I don't know. So I do think so. Um, no one knows. So at this point, point. Um, and the bigger question, though, is if he starts, who goes to the bench to start the game? And that's where I hope it's Kavon Looney and not Jordan Poole. Um, another comment. This is from AC. Having a great coach can probably overcome not having a leader on the floor maybe i if you if you can think of one team where that applies i'm with you i can't think of a single team who's won a championship but did not have an on-court leader uh uh guiding the way for that team i do agree that coaching is important steve nash will probably get fired after the season um, but that is a great point, AC. And if you can think of a specific team that fits that example, please do uh write it. Uh Lavish Bear, do you think Wiggins will re-sign? Uh, he has one more year left in his contract beyond that, as I mentioned earlier in the show. I'm gonna save all the, the off-season personnel type speculation for when the off-season starts. Just not the time for it right now. Plus, we've talked about Wiggins on the show extensively. Um, but yeah, let's just save that for another show. Uh, but and also, Lavish Bear, I do sincerely thank you for for the love. Right back at you. Um, I want to play a couple more sound bites real quick before we we call this a day. And actually, I want to throw a stat at you um, as well. Uh, and this is um, there's a Twitter account that goes by the name Warriors Muse. It's a playoff of Stat Muse, and they threw this interesting stat, and I'll happily uh, verbalize it for the podcast listeners, um, which is that they wrote. The last time the Warriors played in a game five, Steph at 31 points, eight rebounds, seven assists. Clay had 26 points, six rebounds, four assists. Draymond Green had 10 points, 10 rebounds, eight assists. I decided to do my research on how the Warriors did the last time they played in a game five where they were actually up 3-1. Um, and that was back in 2018 in the first round against the San Antonio Spurs. Stephen Curry was not even playing because he had sprained his MCL. Uh, so Klay Thompson had 24.5 rebounds, Draymond Green had a monster 17.19 rebound performance along with seven assists. And that gentleman we've been talking about for a while, Kevin Durant added 25 points and the Warriors did win that game to close the series. Um, typically in game fives after game fours uh, where the Warriors are up 3-1, um, history is showing that they win those games, um, and I'm very confident they're going to do so in this case. Um, Zach writes, any thoughts on the Johnny Depp case? Yeah, Johnny got screwed. I'm on Team Johnny all the way. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, like, I actually sadly vested a little time into this because, but this was like a year or two ago because I, you know, like Me Too started, and then I and I think Johnny was, uh, I think in hindsight, now that we see all the evidence, he was a victim. Um, I mean, the evidence shows that he, he was defamed. I mean, that and and he lost a job because of it. Here's something. So I teach media law, and I don't know if you folks are interested in this or not. But in a in a defamation case, meaning if someone says something slanderous about you or even writes something libelous about you, um, you have to prove in a court of law that what they said cost you money, and that's the hard part. That's why you don't see a lot of lawsuits that um, that are defamation lawsuits right because it's almost impossible to prove that what the person said actually affected your pocketbook but in this case johnny depp actually has a leg to stand on because just days after amber heard his ex-wife published that letter um he lost the pirates of the caribbean gig so he actually has a leg to stand on and yeah so i'm on on team johnny uh and again it's all entirely a case-by-case basis folks please don't read too far into that um Zin Wang, please correct me if I'm wrong in pronouncing your name, wrote, feel like Cousins made a lot of damage last game. Will the Warriors do something about it? We talked on the show about, about hopefully, uh, Kevon Looney being being the guy to to resolve that. If they bring him off the bench and save him for Cousins, I do think that's his role in this series. Um, I, who knows if Kerr actually does something about that, and to a greater extent, Mike Brown. Um, and yeah, I do still feel bad we didn't get a center. I, I really do wish this team had at least one big body out there just to give them relief, but, but there is a huge but there. We have to give Nemanja Bielitsa his credit. I mean, he he started the season fantastically. Then he had that January, February, March where he was struggling. People, I was ready to kick his ass off this team, and he found his form. I don't know if it, it was just hurting for a while. I don't know if it was it was boredom. Who knows what the reason was for his struggles? But he regained uh, his whatever it was that he had at the beginning of the beginning of the season he's playing great and i don't know why he played less than 5 minutes in game 4 but he is a big man and and i think he could help a lot so play Bielitsa more and play gary payne the second more even though he's only 63 he plays like a big um Strength in numbers, twenty twenty one writes. I don't want to see Belly and Otto Porter Jr. on the court. Here's what I don't want to see. I don't want to see Iguodala causes problems when he's on the court. And he, I don't like. I don't mind Belly and Otto Porter Jr. because Otto Porter Jr. is actually playing a great series. He didn't have a great game four, but he's had a great series, even though the numbers don't show it. Right? It's much more of an eye test thing in in that regard. I don't mind those two together, but Iguodala, you have to be picky about because His offense, you know, he was on the court today, for example, Kylan Mills, a Cron4 sports reporter who comes on this show a lot, uh, published on her Twitter account a video footage of Iguodala spending extra time in his shot today in practice. So let's hope he makes up for that nothing burger he dropped. Again, he had zero points, zero assists, one rebound um and you got to be selective with him because his shot is has never been that reliant but it was awful in that game i don't mind bellying auto porter jr that's not something i necessarily am against uh but it's just who are you surrounding those two with that that would raise questions um and maybe i could be wrong i just that's just a question on the fly but i i don't see any problems with that and you also wrote something else steve kerr didn't play gp two more minutes and kaminga uh shit steve kerr gonna make us lose next game let's 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 uh i don't want to pounce on steve kerr too much just because again they're up three one um i called five games for this series you know that's still less than what a lot of these so-called experts i'm using air quotes uh said about this series some people moronically pick the nuggets to win um so if the warriors win in five that's i think that's par for course uh i, I say if they lose this game yeah the criticism will ramp up certainly um what about the jerry west defamation this is from ac might have a case but jerry west is gonna have to prove that the show you're referencing on hbo i forgot that forgot what the name of it is but it's focused on the lakers dynasty jerry west would have to prove that his portrayal of that show cost him money um and i don't know if he can prove that uh if he can yeah he has 100 he totally has a case um, and uh Let's see. I'm, I'll answer a few more of these and then call it a day. Just because I did. I I've been doing this for an hour seven minutes. Having fun though, man. I I love this. Uh, let's see. Um, Kevon Looney, you're right. strike the numbers is not doing anything. Uh, why are we playing Otto more minutes than Kaminga? Because Otto Porter Jr. is having a great series. He is actually playing great. Did not have a great game four. That was the first bad game he had. But Jordan Poole didn't have a great game four either. So, if you're going to call for auto Porter Jr.'s head, then you got to call for everyone's head who had a bad game four And that list is not that long, actually, but Igadala, auto Porter Jr., Jordan Poole. I think that's it, right? Um, now, this I agree with. Igadala and GP2 at the same time. That's too much non-shooting, AC. You're 100% right. Uh, Strengthen numbers, give GP2 more minutes. 100% agree with that. Uh, he, again, he only he got six minutes and forty-nine seconds. That's ridiculous, and I haven't heard a single media member ask why. Um, Gilbert, you're right. If the Timberwolves advance, I think the Warriors should be worried about the shooting of Beasley and Prince, and the ascension of Edwards. Cat would feast on Draymond. He's much more aggressive than Jokic. Maybe, maybe. Um, what I'll say, what I'll say about the, the the Grizzlies Timberwolves is this: I pray it's the Timberwolves. <laughs> I really hope it is, um, because Carl Anthony Towns. Well, you're right. He is a very gifted player at seven feet. He's a, you know, he won the three point contest, but he's not very, he's not very smart when it comes to basketball. He makes so many mistakes and the Grizzlies are nowhere near the Warriors level in terms of execution, in terms of even talent, um, in terms of experience, in terms of shooting. I actually think the Warriors would mop the floor if it's, if it's Minnesota um i would much prefer minnesota to uh, uh the grizzlies but i i still am confident the grizzlies will be the team that comes out of that series um kyle writes again uh did i already get this already we already talked about that did my screen mess up um anyways uh let's just wrap this up here thank you Dordu this was a fun stream um lavish bear i feel the warriors offensive power is too much for the grizzlies or Timberwolves. i agree but I think it'll be a tougher series than the Nuggets. Um, Lavish Bear, I really pray we win Game 5. I'm very confident the Warriors are going to win Game 5. Um, and Bantha Person, if we sign Chiosa to a contract for next year, I'm going to lose it. It's all right, man. He's a two-way player. I, 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 I've heard a lot of criticism about Chioza. I, I don't know. I, don't, it's just a, I just shrug when I hear his name. I think he's, he's a nice dude. Um, yeah, so... Yeah, I think that's it. I think that wraps things up. Bantha person, I'll leave it with you as the last tweet or last message for the show. Thanks again. Please keep tweeting when you will do live streams. 100% yes, you got it. Um, so for tomorrow's show, uh, Connor Letourneau is going to join me very early. Um, it's going to be a, we're going to record the show around 8.30. Um, and thank you, uh, 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 Zin Wang. I hope I pronounced that. Um Man, these things just keep coming. I can't hide from you. Okay, Mr. AGNB, would you rather have LeBron come to the Warriors or KD come back? I'd pick KD. I would pick KD. Um, that's, but these are both pipe dreams. The LeBron thing might have some reality to it just because it's plausible in theory, whereas KD I don't think is plausible. I don't think there's any chance KD comes back to the Warriors. Um, I, with LeBron, if the Lakers are willing to accept Wiggins, Wiseman, and that's it, I do it, but that's it. I'm not giving up first round draft picks for LeBron James. Um, yeah, man, it's right. The numbers right back at you. I I, I do it. I, I I'm in this position where all I can hope for is to be objective covering the Warriors because it's obvious I love this team. I grew up watching them, um, but I'm not going to hold off on being critical or anything like that. Uh, yeah, that's it. So um, thank you for making Locked On Warriors your first listen every day. Again, Connor Letourneau joins me tomorrow morning. Uh, we're going to record around 8:30. I'll have that published soon after. This one's obviously going to be published in just a moment. Um, but thank you for tuning in. Thank you for your engagement. Thank you for your commentary. Uh, just thanks for everything. I'm, I consider myself lucky being in this position. This is, you know, I've been in this media game for a long time and, and of all the jobs I've ever done, this is my favorite, like hands down. So again, thank you so much for, for just tuning in for, uh, dedicating your time to this. Uh, I do feel confidently the Warriors will win game five. I still feel very confident the Warriors will be your 2022 uh, world champions. Still a long way to go, though. They've, they've won three games. They have 13 to go. Um, but we'll be back at this tomorrow. You can follow me on Twitter, Dog Sir show You can follow this program on Twitter at Locked On Dubs. And make your second listen, Locked On NBA, from the first jump ball of the play-in tournament to the last possession of the finals. Locked On experts take you deep inside the playoffs with insight and analysis affecting all 30 teams. Thank you, everyone. Uh, this was fun. Um, yeah. Until next time. Later.